Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Yeah, wow, that, that one got me. That one got me. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for being people that love so much that you don't hoard what God gives you, but you see yourself as a channel to release blessing and grace and favor back to the people around you. My greatest um, desire is to see this church just explode with generosity acts of service, volunteerism, finding places where our community is hurting and filling that need. I want this church to be the most generous, most serving, most engaged, involved church that anyone has ever seen because of one thing, the love of Jesus that's manifesting in our hearts. That when we look out, we don't see people that have differences of opinions, differences of beliefs, or differences of politics, or differences of whatever. We see God's kids, and we just love them. We just love them. We live in a world right now where everybody wants to fight. Everybody wants to argue. Everybody wants to be right. Prove their point. Judge someone else. because they believe something differently than they believe. And I can tell you judgment has never saved one single person. Judgment has never, condemnation has never led one person to heaven. Condemnation is from the enemy, it's from the devil. Jesus said, I won't judge you. My father's the judge. Paul said, I won't judge you. I don't even judge myself. God is the judge. But we live in a world right now where we look at everyone on the surface and our, and our, our nation, our world, our, 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 our culture constantly judges. Did they get the vaccine? Did they not get the vaccine? Are they wearing a mask? Are they not wearing a mask? It's all judgment. It's all judgment. Mind your own stinking business. Shut up and pray for crying out loud. Shut up and pray. Everybody live according to your own faith. It's not your job. It's not your job to tell everybody else how to live their life. It's your job to be an example of the love of Jesus Christ and let the love of Jesus Christ change the lives of people around you. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your church. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for the opportunity that we have for freedom, something that we take for granted far too often. The fact that we live in a nation where we can come together like this to rally around a common faith, people of all different backgrounds, all different nationalities, male and female, working together for your purpose, your cause. Your family, Jesus, is indivisible. Your faith is indivisible. God, forgive us for our judgmental, condescending, prideful opinions. Forgive us. Return us back to a place of humility where we recognize, as Jesus said, that there is no one good but God alone. Without you, we're nothing. There's nothing good in and of ourselves except what you have put in us, and we don't get any credit for that. Father, help us to maximize who you've called us to be and live our lives in faith, with passion and purpose and intentionality 
Father, let your love shine through us and change the world around us one person at a time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you for being a part of Oaks Church. Thank you for your faithfulness, your commitment, your generosity. You are a wonderful people, and I hope you come out and have a party with us on Saturday. Did you say, I'm getting on the dunk take? You didn't say that, did you? You actually said that? Okay. It will cost you money, and all the proceeds will go to Shiloh Place to help more families. Look, I don't don't mess up my hair for free. I'm sorry. I just... (laughs) I just don't. It's, I have a childhood issue, and, and so it's going to cost you. But we'll, we'll, we'll discuss. We'll negotiate that. Um, we're in the middle of a series called Vibes, and I'm very excited about this series. I don't know if I remember a time that I have felt the presence of the Holy Spirit on me, uh, that I have felt uh, the support of, of the King of Kings like I felt in this message. Uh, one of my friends that's in this church that is very sensitive to the Holy Spirit says that every single week of this series, he's literally, he, he sees in the spirit realm, there are different gifts. There's a difficult the discerning of spirits, and he's able to see angelic beings. He sees demonic things that are, that are at work in environments, and it's just one of the gifts of the spirits that's actually in the Bible. And he said the last two weeks during this series, he's seen giant angels inside of this room that literally go all the way to the ceiling, that there's an authority behind the word that God is releasing right now. This isn't my message, guys. This is the word of God being released. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to say. He has uh, an agenda in mind to shift and to change our hearts and to bring us into alignment with his purpose and his will because he wants us to recognize who we are and arise as the sons and daughters of God to fulfill our purpose and to maximize our potential to affect the world around us. He has a mission for you. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's good. So we've talked a lot about this idea of vibes and how people do have good vibes or bad vibes. Our whole body vibrates. All of all of uh, nature vibrates. Every single piece, every atom has a, a string in it that literally vibrates, and, and, it's got, and it makes a sound, and it's part of the worship that all of creation worships God. Uh, Jesus said the rocks would cry out, the trees would worship, mountains worship, oceans roar their worship. It's an amazing thing that God created everything he did to worship him, and he inhabits the praises of his people. So when we praise, when we declare his goodness, when we When we speak life in declaration of the goodness of God that we see all throughout the world, the Bible says that God has hidden himself throughout creation, hoping that we would seek for him and grope for him and find him. He wants to be found by us, and he hides himself through creation. It says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, and it's the glory of kings to search it out. We are the kings and priests in God's kingdom, and he desires for us to reveal or to have the revelation of who he is. That's why the last book of the Bible is called the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is the end result. It's what he wants for each and every one of us to have the revelation of who he is. Because when you recognize who he is and truly know who he is, it changes everything about you. Everything about you. Because he is your identity. Your skin color is not your identity. Your gender is not your identity. Your, your socioeconomic class is not your identity. Your vocation is not your identity. Th- those are little parts of the flavor, but Jesus Christ is your identity. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We have to rise up and have an identity that we see ourselves as something much bigger, much more eternal than gender or money or skin color or any of that kind of stuff. It's a temporary thing. It's, it's a counterfeit that gets you distracted from your eternal cause and your eternal purpose. Today we're talking about the power of prayer. We've talked about the power of your thoughts. We've talked about the power of your words. Today, the power of prayer. I'm curious what your experience with prayer is, how you grew up. Um, Everyone grew up differently. We grew up in different types of churches. 
Uh, there are churches that are in our city that the way they start pray, prayer is uh, the, the minister says a phrase and then the congregation repeats it back to him and then they, they recite prayers together and they all recite and memorize prayers. I've seen that a number of times. Uh, there are churches where uh, you kneel and stand up and kneel and stand up and kneel and stand It's just, a, it's a, it's, they, they pray different ways. There are churches where one person prays and everyone sits there and watches. There are churches where everyone prays all at once. I was at a, a global uh, pastor's conference one time, and there was a gentleman there from Korea. Uh, and if you have not heard, South Korea is the, one of the leading forces of missionary work and revival all throughout Asia, all throughout the Middle East. Uh, the church uh, coming out of South Korea is an absolute incredible power and force to be reckoned with. And this missionary pastor told me that when they pray, it's not one person praying. They literally, the entire congregation, they say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus three times as a congregation, and then all of them roar in prayer as individuals. And it's, it's like the most powerful thing I'd ever seen, just to see thousands of people roaring in prayer together. Prayer is powerful. Uh, I was at the gym the other day, and, and the gentleman was helping me, and, and I got my little workout in, and I walked out. And as I was walking out, I, I, I looked at him and I, and, and I saw his name tag and without even thinking, I said, thank you, Jesus. Because his name was Jesus. I'm like, oh, you moron. What an idiot. I'm like face planting, walking out. Thank you, Jesus. But listen, that's, some of us, that's the extent of our prayer life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for my food. Thank you, Jesus, for my car. Thank you, Jesus. And, and it's, come on, guys, our prayer life can be so... So simplistic. And look, you don't have to be fancy with your prayer life, but it shouldn't be shallow. Do you, do you want to have a shallow marriage? You want to have a shallow relationship with your children? You want to have a shallow relationship with, with your boss or with your employee? You want to have, I don't know about you, I want to have a real relationship with people. I want to get beyond talking about the weather. In fact, if I'm with, building a relationship with someone and someone that I'm with can't show me any vulnerability, what they're showing me is they don't trust me. And if they don't trust me, we're not real friends. If you can only show me your good side, you don't trust me. I'm one of those overly transparent people, show you a little too much of who I am. Some people can't handle it. People leave the church because they realize that I'm not perfect. Well, I can recommend many other churches where the pastor is more perfect than I am. But if you're into rowdy, you're in the right place. <laughs> Since I was 17, my prayer life has been a major part of, 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 of who I am. I got in trouble at 16, got arrested. Um, it was a major wake-up call for me because I was a good kid but I was hanging out with the wrong people and I had some pretty significant hurts in my life and I was angry about some things and I was lashing out and it took me having a really low low to kind of wake me up and realize I was throwing my life away. And at 17, I rededicated my life to God and, and began to have these amazing encounters with God. But one of the things that I did is, is I began to read my Bible and I began to pray every single day just to have a place of discipline in my life where I, would, where I would intentionally engage God. And I began to pray as a 17-year-old. I, I, you know, I wasn't very reverent, and, and, and I, I was trying to read the Bible, but I couldn't understand it because it seemed like it was in another language. And I was desperate to hear the voice of God. So I went to my bookshelf, and I found my children's New Living Translation Bible, the one with the pictures in it that has Jesus on the cover. Some of you remember from the 70s, the, the little kid's Bible with Jesus on the cover and he's got the lamb over his shoulders. Remember that one? That's the one. I got it in 1973 when I was, when I was born. I was given that Bible and I still have it to this day. It's in my bookshelf because that's the Bible. I was so desperate to know God, I didn't care what anyone else thought. And I went everywhere I went with the children's Bible in my hand. Because I didn't care what anyone thought. I wanted to know him. And I was so desperate. I began to ask God to speak to me, to talk to me. I didn't want to have a one-way relationship. I wasn't into religion. I'm not here to check a box. I want to know you. If you're real, be real. 
Talk to me. I don't want religion. I'm the type of person, oh my God, you did not want me as your kid. Everything's why. I was just smart enough to why, 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 why. Oh my God, I wanted to know why. Jesus said the best type of faith, if you're going to please God, is to have faith like a child. When I go to God, I ask lots of questions. And I expect him to communicate answers to me. And you know what? He does. He does. And he will for you too. He will for you too. But I began to pray crazy prayers. And I don't don't encourage you to, to pray this one unless you're serious. The Father, if you want to talk to me, wake me up. In the middle of the night, oh my God, don't pray that prayer unless you mean it, because he will wake you up, and then you're like, can we just snooze this one out, Jesus, right? I, I mean, but, but God began to reveal himself, and I, I want, look, I'm, I'm telling you this because I want you to understand how imperfect my prayer life was. I called God big guy. All right, big guy, if I'm getting up, this better be good. Don't get me out of bed for nothing. That's how much of a punk I was. But big guy met me right where I was. Because guess what? God's not petty, and he's not insecure, and he's not worried about you talking to him the wrong way. He wants to communicate with you, and he loves you just enough that he'll take you where you are, and then he'll begin to shape you and work with you. I don't call him big guy anymore. But that's where I was and I needed something real because I grew up in environments where there was so much religion that I doubted it all and I thought all of it was fake. Because I saw a lot of stuff and I wanted something real. I don't know what your habits have been life. I don't know how you grew up. I don't know what you think about when you think about prayer. You might think of something very rigid. You might feel like you can't really pray because you don't know what to say. Let me tell you, if all you've got is, hey, big guy, oh, he'll meet you right there. You don't have to be fancy. Jesus told a story of of, of two people at the altar praying. One of them was a was a, poor, was a poor tax collector, a sinner, that with his face down to the ground was crying out to God, begging for forgiveness, and wouldn't even look toward heaven because he knew he was so unrighteous. And he just was begging for God to, to forgive him. And then right next to him was a Pharisee that sat there in all his pretty clothes and looking up to God and looking down at the one next to him and said, God, thank you that you didn't make me like this wicked tax collector. Thank you that you made me a Pharisee and that I follow all of your rules and I give all of my tithe and I do all of the things that I do. Thank you that I'm not wretched like this one right here. And Jesus said, whose prayer do you think God heard that day? The fancy one that had all the right things to say and the wrong heart or the one that didn't even know where to start, but he just wanted to connect to the Father. Now, I'm going to give you some things. I'm going to teach you some things of how to pray and how to be effective in your prayer. But the number one thing that you've got to get over is insecurity. Because your daddy wants to talk to you. Your father in heaven wants to engage with you. What is prayer? The word pray in the English language, the original, one of the original translations was to ask. Old English, they would say, Pray thee, come hither. I mean, they would say they would use pray to ask someone to do something. It's pretty simple. It's an ask. But prayer, in a just in a common sense term, is for you to communicate to God, and for God to communicate back to you. You don't want to be in a position where you have one way communication. And many of you may feel like that right now. Many of you may feel like when you pray, it bounces off the ceiling, comes back down. You may feel like you pray and it's it's just crickets chirping. And I want to encourage you, don't stop. Because often what happens is we've got so much noise in our lives that we can't Quite, we haven't quite figured out how to tune in and get our life quiet enough so that we can actually hear the voice of God communicating back to us. 
I can promise you, if you've asked for God to come into your life, if you asked for Jesus to save you, if you've asked for the Holy Spirit to come and fill you, he has filled you, he is in you, and he will speak to you. In fact, he's communicating constantly, and we just have to learn how to tune in and recognize his voice. Often his voice sounds like our own voice because he's inside of us speaking from inside of our heart. And so we hear it from within. And I mentioned last week that your voice, the tone of your voice, is the most trusted voice in your head. So God will speak to you from the inside in the tone that you trust the most. So it sounds like it's you, but you'll begin to know that it's him. Because he'll say things to you that you wouldn't say to yourself. He'll say things to you that will build you up and edify you and encourage you And he'll be the greatest motivational coach you've ever heard because that's the loving, nurturing father that he is. But he'll shoot you straight too. He wants to communicate to you. We've got to learn. Watch this. This is James chapter five, verse 14. James was the brother of Jesus. This is Jesus' actual brother who put his faith in Jesus and was saved and then became one of the uh, fathers of the, of the early church. In fact, I read in Fox's Book of Martyrs that James um, had a nickname. If you've never read the book, Fox's Book of Martyrs, I would encourage you to read it. It will give you an incredible amount of respect for, for how precious the Word of God is and how precious your faith is because every single person that followed Jesus died for Jesus in the beginning. And it's a book literally that spans hundreds of years of all of the people that died so that you could have the message of Jesus Christ delivered to you one day. James, the brother of Jesus, had a prayer life that was so intense, so elaborate, uh, so, so lengthy that they called him camel knees because he spent so much time on his knees that his knees were physically deformed. I'm curious how much time you spend in prayer. I know uh, I'm, I'm, I'm convicted personally to intensify my level of prayer. I, I, have a, I have a prayer life. I've developed it for many, many years. But this time that we're living in demands more. James said this, an expert on prayer, chapter 5, verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. You should burn that into your brain. The prayer of faith will save the sick. What about COVID? The prayer of faith will save the sick. What about pneumonia? The prayer of faith will save the sick. What about diabetes? The prayer of faith. It's not limited to one thing or another. The prayer of faith will save the sick. Well, yeah, Joel, but people still die. I know, but people also live. People also recover. In fact, if you want to do stats on it, you have a lot better chance of living than you do of dying. And we need to focus a lot more time on praying than we do on watching news. Did you know that complaining is not praying? The Israelites complained. They got stuck in the wilderness for 40 years. It was a three-week walk. Three-week journey took them 40 years because of murmuring and complaining. Prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And he has committed sin. And if he has committed sins, he will forgive. Confess your sins, your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Wow, interesting. So your forgiveness of one another is connected to your healing? How many of us harbor grievances towards someone else and hold on to it like a little pet? Oh, come on, some of you know. One wrong politician comes on the TV and you'll go to cussing. (laughs) 
I, I could say one politician's name and somebody go to cussing. I mean, who knew the, 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 the most offensive four-letter word actually had five letters? My God. I'm going to move on. Unforgiveness will keep you sick. Unforgiveness will destroy your life. Unforgiveness will make your prayers bounce back down. Jesus said, if you don't forgive them, God can't forgive you. Well, you don't know what they did to me, Joel. You don't know the abuse. You, you, you don't know. You can't comprehend. I know I can't. But God can. Jesus can. And I promise you, whatever they did to you wasn't worse than what they did to Jesus when they had him on that cross. And Jesus looked down and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. If they knew, they wouldn't do. We've got to become experts at forgiveness if we want to have powerful prayer lives. Watch this. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. I like to say it this way. Righteous, effective, passionate prayers are powerful. Righteous, effective, passionate prayers are powerful. Watch. Go back to that verse. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. King James Version says, or another translation says, with like passions, like weaknesses. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced fruit. Elijah was a man, just a man, with like passions, a similar nature. He got tempted, he got angry, he had emotions, he sinned, he messed up, just like any other human being. He was not perfect. In fact, Elijah dealt with mental illness. How can you say that, Joel? Well, he spent 40 days in a suicidal depression begging God to kill him. If someone in your family did that, you'd put him in an institution somewhere to get him some help. A guy that deals with significant suicidal depression, yet still his prayers are heard? What's your excuse? If God can stop the rain for three and a half years through the prayers of a guy as frail as that. What can you do with yours? Why not you? Why not you believe what James, the expert on prayer of the first century is saying? That the fervent, effectual prayers of a righteous person make a really big difference. See, think about this. The secret to powerful prayer is your faith. Jesus said that you need to have faith like a mustard seed. Well, mustard seeds are really small, but that's not the point. I heard a rabbi say one time that it wasn't that the mustard seed was the smallest of all seeds. There were actually seeds that are smaller. It's that the mustard seed was so small that at that time, they couldn't cut it in half. It was too small to divide. It was an indivisible seed. It was dense enough and hard enough that they didn't have the ability to cut it, to divide it. And what Jesus was actually saying is you need to move to a place where your faith is indivisible, where there is no other option, where you absolutely believe something to the nth degree and you have no room in yourself for division. Indivisible faith. Well, Joel, it says that a righteous person, what if I'm unrighteous? Your righteousness doesn't come from you. Your righteousness is not about you. 
Your righteousness is a gift that you receive from Jesus himself. You have what's called faith righteousness. You're not right because you obeyed all the rules. You're right because you made a really good decision. You put your faith in Jesus Christ, and we're saved through his faith, not through our faith. He gave us the faith. It says that we're saved uh, by grace through faith, and this faith is not our own, but a gift of God. God gave you the faith so that you could believe, so that you could be saved. You're not saved of your own works, he said, so no one could boast. Your righteousness is Jesus Christ. He is your righteousness. Well, I just messed up. Great. Repent. Bible says whoever is faithful to confess their sins, he's faithful to forgive their sins and cleanse them of all unrighteousness. Well, I just messed up five minutes ago. Cool. Repent. Well, I might mess up in 10 more minutes. Awesome. Repent again. It's really cool. Jesus actually 2,000 years ago paid for the sins you haven't even done yet. Do you get that? You haven't even thought up some of the stuff that he'd already forgave. He already paid for it. 20 years from now, when you do something you shouldn't do, he already paid for that. And now what you have to do is repent, ask forgiveness, purpose in your heart to be different. This isn't a license to go and do whatever you want. This is a revelation that you can't be stopped. Because the enemy wants you trapped in your brain thinking that you're unrighteous and your prayers don't matter. He wants you stuck in a place where you won't be fervent or passionate about your prayer because you're so, you're so, uh, you have such a lack of confidence, you're so insecure about who you actually are in him that you won't go boldly to the throne of grace. I mean, what's the difference between doubt and anxiety. What's the difference between doubt and a panic attack? What's the difference between sadness and deep depression? Intensity. It's just intensity. It's just if you stay, if you stay in that negative state, that negative frequency, that negative vibe, that negative mindset, that negative uh, 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 declaration, if you stay in that negative place long enough, the intensity grows and grows and grows and grows. I actually heard something amazing this week in listening to another pastor that is incredible. And he, interestingly enough, was speaking and teaching about some of the stuff that I've been speaking and teaching about. And one part of his research, he discovered that 90% of all mental illnesses scientifically are caused by the avoidance of dealing with pain. People have a painful situation in their life that they don't want to face, so they go cover it in something else. They cover their pain with gossip, with worry, with entertainment with drugs, alcohol, with sex, with, with, with inappropriate relationship. Don't want to face the pain, so let me go find a temporary fix. And the result is we get sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker. And the beautiful thing is if you can learn how to turn and face this place of pain from a place of gratefulness and thanksgiving, that even though I went through this horrific pain, I'll be grateful and thankful anyway. That the power of gratitude could actually heal mental illness. Interesting. Last week we talked about this thing in science called a heart field, how there's a, there's a power surge that comes out of your heart called a heart field that doctor scientists can actually read the frequency and the vibrations and the, and the energy that comes out of your heart, that the conversations uh, that happen between your heart and your brain are initiated in your heart, your emotions exist inside of this heart field, uh, your, your faith exists inside of this, this heart field, you literally walk around with, with a level of power surging out of your body, you are an electromagnetic being, God made you full of his energy, full of his life, full of his light, he is the light of the world, and you 
radiate with his light and his energy comes out of your body. And you're either a dull light or you're a bright light. You're either a negative light or you're a positive light. But you're a light. And what you think and what you say affects that heart field and it affects the energy that you exude in your body. How else, how else was it that someone could touch the clothing of Jesus without him even knowing it and get healed? How else was it that Peter could walk down the street and, and, and the shadow, anyone that would get within the shadow would get healed? How do you explain it? Except there was a faith field around them the Bible says that anyone that could touch Jesus, they almost crushed him to death because they knew if they could just touch him, he didn't even pray. He didn't even try. He didn't even go, mm. They just, if they could just touch him because he emanated the healing power of God. Guess what? So can you. So can you. So can you. Your prayers are powerful. I actually did some really interesting research on prayers. Did you know that prayer, scientifically speaking, is the number one way to elevate your personal frequency and energy inside of your body? Did you know that the research that I found right off the bat was actually not spiritual research? It was from NBC News. It's amazing. NBC News, studying prayer. Article was called, This is Your Brain on Prayer and Meditation. Oh, meditation. Yeah, it's in your Bible. Oh, well, I mean, New Age people do that. Yeah, they stole it. <laughs> Quit giving up stuff that belongs to God. It's his. It's his. It belongs to him. Meditation is God's. All this vibration stuff is God's. I was in a church many years ago, and we, we were talking about a, a, a logo and a, and a graphic and whatever, and, and we talked about using a rainbow. And someone said, well, you can't use the rainbow because this group of people have made that their symbol. I'm like, it's stinking God's rainbow. It's in the, it's in the bike. God made it. They can't have it. They can borrow it. They can't have it. It's God's rainbow. Crying out loud. We just, Christians, we just forfeit stuff. We just forfeit. Oh, well, you can, oh my God, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings here. You can, crying out loud. Cowboy up already. <laughs> Watch this. I'll give you a couple little, little pieces of science just so that you can understand how powerful prayer is according to NBC News. Uh, when you're in stress mode, prayer moves you away from your fight or flight response. When you're in prayer, you engage the reflective part of your brain. It activates the deepest parts of your brain. This is from ABC News. When you're in prayer and meditation, because they, they, they did brain scans and studies with electro, electronic stuff and, and put in dyes and whatever to study the brain. When you're in prayer, it activates the deepest part of your brain. When you're in prayer, it, it activates the part of your brain that is reflective and it and it, and it deactivates the action part of your brain because when, when you are stressed about something, you're focused on what you can't do and you're stuck in a place of action mode and thinking about action mode that you can't handle and you don't have the ability to. So when you move into prayer, you release the action mode scientifically and you go into a reflective mode and what you didn't realize you did when you're in prayer is you gave the action to God. You released it to him. Prayer lowers your reaction to stress and trauma. It decreases the stimulus in your body for temptation and addiction. They actually did a side, this is the cruelest scientific study ever, but they took a bunch of alcoholics out of AA and they put them in a lab and they plugged them up to stuff and they turned on images of alcohol to intentionally trigger them to want to drink. And they kept the images up there, and then they had all of them, and they're monitoring their brains, and they put all of, they told all of them, now stop, close your eyes, stop looking at this, the thing's still on the screen, stop looking at this, close your eyes, and begin to pray, however you pray. And they monitored their brain, and while they were praying, their brain energy shifted, 
and the temptation actually lessened and they moved back to a state of peace. It redirects prayer, actually redirects the signals of your body, uh, the signal in your brain to go to what's called your prefrontal cortex, and it eliminates uh, the, the impulses that are triggered by temptation. That's why the Bible says if you're tempted, then pray. Father, lead us not into temptation. Prayer actually will, will, will help you with that. Pretty cool. It actually engages your prefrontal cortex and helps you make executive decisions. When you're stressed, your brain is not functioning in the right way and you can't make executive decisions quickly. But when you begin to pray, it re-energizes the part of your brain that helps you make the right decision. Amazing. Prayer. Another doctor, Dr. Loretta Bruling, she's the author of The Science of Positivity and a book called The Happy Brain. She says that she, they discovered that when you pray, it releases the happy brain chemicals. Specifically, one of them is called oxytocin. And oxytocin is what's released in women whenever they're in labor or lactating. So gentlemen, you'll, I guess, enjoy some laxitocin. Never had that before. Uh, but when you pray, it releases that. And it releases inside of your body a sense of well-being and social trust, that you trust the world around you. God created you so that when you pray, you release chemicals in your body, the faith comes out of this heart, this faith field, and it begins to release signals in your brain to release the chemicals in your body to actually feel better, be less tempted, have more of a well state of mind, and be able to make decisions better simply because you prayed, and that's coming from NBC News. So the big question is this, do you have a prayer life? Do you have a prayer life and what's it like? Um, my pastor of 21 years said one time, actually said it multiple times, but there was one time I was in my early 20s and I remember him saying this and it, and it, and it sparked something in my life that changed me forever. He said, the amount of time you spend in prayer is directly proportional to the amount of authority you have in the kingdom of God. And I remember being 25, 26, and I'm like, wow. And man, I was, I was a fiery Christian, man. I mean, I was, a, I was a fantastic Pharisee in my 20s, incredible Pharisee. Man, I followed every rule. I dotted every I, crossed every T. I was a professional performance Christian, okay? And, and I would make sure that you knew it. And, and I remember him saying that. I'm like, oh, okay. And he made this just, a, just a, a small little commitment, 15 minutes a day. I wonder if you would commit to 15 minutes of prayer a day. And I said, you know what, Doc? I'm doing that. I want to have more authority in my life. I'm going to do that. Man, I pray all the time. I pray in the Holy Spirit. I pray every single day. Man, I, I pray constantly. I'm a prayer. Man, I'm a prayer machine. I'm a prayer warrior. Man, 15 minutes, that's nothing. And I remember the very first day, I, I got my little coffee and I set it there and, and I set uh, the little timer up and I got down on my knees. I'm like 25 or six years old and, and I get there to pray and man, I'm talking, I am praying fire down from heaven. I prayed for everything, everyone I knew. I prayed my guts out. I prayed for the little kids in China. I prayed for everything you could possibly think of, everything I could possibly think of. Man, I prayed, I, I prayed all of my guts out and I went, all right, I'm good. And I looked at the clock and it had been three minutes. <laughs> three minutes. Three, this Pharisee, three minutes. And I had nothing left. And I'm like, I, 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 don't, know, I don't know how to pray. I don't, I don't know how to pray. I don't have a, I don't have a prayer life. I'm, I'm a horrible prayer. And I literally, and so I, I pray, I just, I, I forced myself and somehow made it through the, the next 12 minutes. And I thought, that will never happen to me again. So I made a list. The next day, I show up for my 15 minutes, and I had my list, and this time, man, I rocked it through. I had, I'm praying for all these different people and things and whatever, and, and what happened is my list began to grow, and, and over the next year, my list got to the place where it would take me an hour and a half to pray my list, and I was spending on average two to two and a half hours with God in my life because of a simple decision of I'll spend 15 minutes because I want to develop a prayer life. And it was that habit that shifted my heart. And I wouldn't be standing on a platform like this right now if it wasn't for a habit like that that changed everything about who I was. So what's your prayer life like? Is it a thank you, Jesus? 
Mm, bless the food. Let's eat. Rub-a-dub-dub. Thanks for the grub. Are you nervous when someone asks you to pray in person, in public? Don't, don't feel bad. All it means is you don't practice enough. Because whatever you practice, you'll get confident in. So just practice more. Just practice more. I'm going to read you another passage here real quick. This is um, from Mark chapter 11. This will tie into that mustard seed, indivisible faith concept. How am I doing on time? Okay. Mark chapter 11. This is after the morning after Jesus cursed the fig tree. Remember that day where Jesus woke up on the wrong side of the bed? And uh, was grumpy and hungry. He must have been hangry, as we call it nowadays. And he's walking into town. Uh, he, he had just the day before, he'd flipped over the tables in the temple and cracked the bullwhip and chased everybody out and, and, and just took over. And that was the day. Think about that. Think about that. The, the day that Jesus did that was the day that he, or that morning, had cursed the fig tree. So, I mean, think about it. He's just in a mood, right? Jesus is in a mood. He's cursing trees. He's flipping over tables. You know, it was, it was, a, it was a day. Um, you imagine being as the, one of the disciples, you're like, oh my God, what got into Jesus? You know? And, and uh, so the thing with the fig tree is it wasn't the season for figs. I mean, it's not even fair. You're the stinking creator. You created the fig tree. You understand the seasons. And you got a fig tree that doesn't have any figs, and you kill it. When you made it to make figs at a certain season, it's not even fair to the fig tree, right? I mean, this is like harsh. So the next morning, they walk past it, and Peter's tripping out. He's like, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said, have faith in God. For surely I said to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done and he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. I want to give you this phrase. Believe you have already received it. Believe you have already received it. That's the indivisible part. When I pray, I don't, I don't want, and guys, I get it. I get the, the I call them peekaboo prayers. You, you pray, mm, 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 ah, nothing changed. Mm, pray, 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 pray. Ah, I get it. I get it. Look, Elijah did that. Elijah, the guy that stopped the rain, seven times he sent his servant Gehazi. Go look, Gehazi, I'm praying real hard over here. I'm, I'm pray, praying passionate, fervent, righteous. I'm praying. I'm praying hard over here, Gehazi. Go look. See if there's, a, see if there's a, any rain coming yet when he's praying for rain. Seven times he peekaboos. So I'm not judging nobody for peekabooing because the guy that peekabooed, the rain actually came finally. He didn't, he didn't quit. But a lot of people peekaboo and then they quit because nothing happens. And we're not moved by sight. We don't live our life by sight. We live our life by faith, not by sight. So what Jesus did, Jesus got so good at prayer that he would just say stuff and keep walking. No peekaboo. Never bear fruit again. Mm. Keep walking. Dude, how about Lazarus? Remember Jesus standing in front of the... Lazarus has been dead for four days. Jesus walks up. You know what his prayer was? Father, thank you for hearing me. In fact, thank you that you always hear me. And I'm not even praying this for me, but I'm praying this so that everyone else around me, they know that you hear me. Hey, Lazarus, come out. That's the whole prayer. Lazarus, come out. That's it. And he rose from the dead. Indivisible faith. Faith like a mustard seed. We've got to move to a place where it doesn't matter if we feel it or not. See, see, Christians, we can go, mm, I just, mm, I feel. I just feel, I feel, mm, feel, mm, receive, mm. Come on, man. Part of the reason I had such a hard time with this religious stuff is I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You go to prayer meetings, they're breaking your neck over. Oh, my God, I got to go to the chiropractor. Receive it, right? And just, I mean, it's like over the top. And then, and then if you don't fall down, then it, it was because your faith, apparently you're in. I'm like, I mean, I'm going into prayer lines like this. Pray for me. I'm leaning, <laughs> leaning full force into this thing, you know? 
because I'm not a fake. I'm not going to fall down unless God, God's going to have to slap me to knock me down, all right? And I'm, just not, I'm not some pansy going to fall over for you, make a good show for you on TV. And, never mind. I'm sorry about that, Father. <laughs> but we've got to move to a place where it doesn't matter what we see and it doesn't matter what we feel. See, I, I remember there was a time where I prayed. I, I had a buddy of mine. Uh, that I had been praying for and believing for God to do something in his life for 10 years. This guy, uh, he, he knew I was a pastor, knew I was a believer. He was actually one of my doctors, and, and, and we were friends, but, but friends in a manner that he would make fun of me for my faith all the time. And he was, it was in jest. He's just joking around. But he would joke around and make fun of me, and, and he was, at the time, living a very, 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 very wild life, like adult movie wildlife. And, and I would just pray for him and love him and, and be a friend to him whenever I could. And, and I was waiting, 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 waiting for one day God to open the door for me to minister to this guy. And one day, finally, 10 years later, he calls me and he says, Hey man, I need some prayer. Can you come and pray at my house? And I'm like, dude, absolutely. Can you come tonight? Yeah, man, I'll be there tonight. And he's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I don't mean to bother you, I don't want to bug you. And I'm like, dude, I've been waiting for this phone call for 10 years. I'll be there. And I show up at his house, and, and he had gone through a, a divorce, and, and then um, he rebounded, and he married a, a lady who was not godly at all. And she actually, she actually had a demon that she knew the demon's name. Listen, if you're dating someone who knows their demon's name... <laughs> I'm just saying, you might, you know, swipe left instead of right. I don't know. I don't know how it works. I've never, I've never done the whole swipe thing. But, I, but, but I'm just saying, if they know, if, if it's like, yeah, I have a demon, his name is Raymond. Next, okay? <laughs> Next. Well, he, he had begun to turn his life around, and he got rid of the, the, the girl, but the demon stayed in his house. And he was having, Raymond stayed, he was having poltergeist stuff nonstop in his house. So, so I go, and, and, and first thing I did is I led him to the Lord, we prayed together. And I mean, I cannot give the details of the story are just way too real, I can't tell you. But, but he, he had like hidden compartment, hidden rooms in his house for adult stuff. I mean, it was, I mean, this guy was, he was wealthy. And, and when you're wealthy and a sinner, you can sin really big. You can sin really big. And he, I mean, there's just all kinds of stuff. Well, he, he has a room that he had devoted toward activity that was very ungodly. And that's where Raymond apparently wouldn't leave. And stuff was happening. So here I am now. He's like, look, I've done, I've done reconstruction. I've changed the walls. I've changed the paint, the furniture, the lighting. This room that was used for evil I, I, I've changed everything cosmetically. He won't leave. And there was a certain thing uh, that there was a certain piece of like an apparatus that was on the ceiling. I'm going to leave it at that. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't come down. And he was banging on this thing like with a hammer, like, and it wouldn't come down. And I'm like, listen, we're going to pray and we're going to take authority and, and, and we're going to whatever. And Raymond's leaving and, and God is going to be whatever. Man, and I'm talking, I prayed, I prayed the paint off the walls. I prayed, I anointed every, I prayed, every man, whatever. And I didn't feel a thing. Didn't feel a thing. I pray, and, and this is to 10 years I'm waiting for this moment. Didn't feel a thing. And I left and I'm driving 20 minutes back to my house and I'm angry. And I'm, I'm literally, I'm giving God a piece of my mind. I'm driving home like, where were you? I needed you and you didn't show up. What, I, this, of all times, of all things, I needed you at this moment and you didn't show up. I was mad at God. You ever been mad at God? Right then I get a text message. On my phone, my friend, he sends me a picture. He had gone after we prayed, went, got some water, got a snack, whatever, gone back around, come back around in the other room, and the thing that had for months that he could not get off the ceiling. For months. By the time of me leaving, driving down the road, him getting a drink and a snack, comes back and the thing has fallen, and he's an absolute, ex he's like, I know he's gone, the demon is gone, and I mean, literally revolutionized this guy's life. This guy, I, I mean, to this day, is seeking the, the will of God, uses his wealth for the kingdom of God, incredible story, but, guess, but here's the point, I didn't feel it, and it didn't matter. 
It's not about the goosebumps. It's about the faithfulness. It's about the passion. It's about the, 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 the righteous man, not because I'm righteous, because Jesus is righteous, that I'm praying effective prayers. How do I know they're effective? I know they're effective because I'm praying his will. How do I know that I'm praying his will? Because I've read my Bible. I know his will because I know my Bible. And I know that demons fleed from Jesus and all of his disciples. So this dude's got to go. I know that people got healed all the time, every time Jesus showed up. So sickness has to go. I know his will because I know his word. I'll give you one last verse. 1 John 5, 14 says, and we are confident that he hears us when we ask for anything that pleases him or when we ask according to his will. And since we know he hears us when we ask and make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. How do you, you, wanna, you wanna know that you know that you know that you're gonna get what you ask for when you pray? Pray his will. Well, how do I know how to pray his will? Pray his word. I would encourage you, man, find verses in the Bible and pray them. You should pray over yourself like that. Father, I know your word, God, I'm telling you, man, open your Bible up and pray the word of God and watch what happens. Father, your word says that I'm more than a conqueror. Your word says that I'm an overcomer. Your word says that if you're with me, then who can be against me? Your word says that you, come on, I've seen so many miracles in my life because I'm convinced of his word and I pray his word and he has to obey his own promise because he has to be faithful to who he is. He won't deny himself. It's one of the great things about God. It says that if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. Well, what if I pray and nothing happens? Pray anyway. Pray anyway. Pray anyway. You never stop swinging. You never stop fighting. Come on, if you're going to go down, go down fighting. Don't go down as a quitter. Go down fighting. Go down as someone that said, you know what? I gave it my all. And I, and I come to you, I, 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 I speak to you as someone who has lost at the highest levels. I'll never forget the moment my daughter died and I'm laying on the bed and we prayed and done, tried to resuscitate her for two and a half hours. And, and Pastor Gordon finally came. Dozens of people were at our house. They'd left church to come pray. And after two and a half hours, he comes to me and says, Joel, it's time to let her go. And I can't tell you, I felt like such a failure. I felt like such a failure. He goes, Joel, it's time. You got to let her go. I remember laying there on the bed next to her body. And I said, God, what do I do now? What do I do now? And I instantly heard in my heart, in my spirit, I heard, rest. You fought well. You fought well. Now it's time to rest. Come on, guys. Sometimes it's about the fight. Sometimes it's about the fight. Sometimes we can't change the outcome, but it's about the fight because the fight prepares us for next. The fight prepares us for the future. The fight prepares us for the purpose and the cause and the calling of God. And it was that struggle. It was that struggle the most horrific, most horrendous thing I could have ever gone through in my entire life, that now, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I've learned to even be grateful for the most horrific things because in that I can be healed. If I can be grateful for the most horrific things, be not grateful that it happened, but grateful for who I can become through it, grateful for who I can become now, grateful for what I can do with what I learned. If I can be grateful in the face of absolute loss and destruction, then I can take that and I can be better and I can use what I learned in in the fight so that I can help someone else and we can make this world a better place. Amen? Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Would you pray with me? Would you just lift your hands wherever you are just like this? Maybe somebody needs to submit to God right now. Maybe someone's been resisting him. Maybe someone's been, been, been arguing against him. Maybe someone's been mad at him. Maybe someone's been medicating pain. Maybe someone's been hiding and refusing to face pain and you're angry at God and you're angry at people and your unforgiveness is affecting your prayer life. It's affecting your ability to be forgiven and healed yourself. Maybe you need to forgive right now wherever you are. Forgive someone that's hurt you. Forgive someone that's betrayed you. Forgive God himself because he, he didn't show up the way that you wanted him to show up.
Maybe you can ask him to begin right now to show you what you can be grateful for, even in the midst of the horrible reality, there's something still that is good that God has done and can do through it. If you can find that, you'll find freedom. You'll find freedom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just forgive right now. Just forgive right now. Just release right now. Ask God to come into your heart right now. Just do that. Say, Father, come into my life. Come into my life. I forgive. Forgive me. I release. Release me. I find gratefulness. Release healing upon my body. Healing upon my mind. Healing upon my soul. In the name of Jesus, I give myself to you. I will worship and I will pray and I will praise and I will declare your goodness in the name of Jesus. Thank you. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.